You know, when you guys hear a story like that and you see those pictures, you see a ton of people serving and you just see team, right? Did you notice something that was happening up here on the stage a few minutes ago? So we're worshiping God, right? We have this team up here that's helping us tune our heart and our mind into how great God is and to lift him up. And uh, these guys practice. These guys practice at home to get better at whatever you call that, the, the guitar, I mean, whatever. The, they're doing their licks or doing their whatevers, right? Their chords. Um, Brett, I'm sure, he, this is his drum kit, and I think he takes it out of here, and he practices during the week. And then they come together, and they practice on a Thursday night. Then they come early, and they practice on a Sunday morning. And that's all to lift up Jesus and to help you guys and to help me sing, right? But if anyone, one of them thought that, like, oh, what, what's the big deal about their part, you know? This is a time change week, and I'm sleeping in. How would that work for the rest of the team? Not so good, right? Every single guy. So Alyssa's over here on acoustic. Steve's jumping on the electric. Like, what? He's usually on the acoustic, right? And so you have keyboards. You have drums. You have Nate on the bass. You have acoustic. You have electric. Then you have some guys in the back that have to pay attention to every sound and movement and every slide and every lyric so that we can all lift up the name of the Lord. Really, when you think about Christianity, you should think of it as team. So many people get caught up in the, no, it's about me. It's about Jesus went to a cross for me. Well, he did. But he went to the cross so that all people could be rescued and included in this family, in this team, if you will, Christ team, Christ family. And then that we're given something important to do. To use the analogy, you have an instrument, whether you've been playing it or not, or it's in the closet, or you don't know what it is yet, you're part of the band, and you get to help other people worship in the way that you can with the power of the Holy Spirit. On a Sunday morning, you, you come in here and uh, you drive in and you see these guys waving with big old smiles, taking you to some empty parking spots, right? Then you see some donuts on the way, and then you see a Mark Richardson leaning against the wall. Look at him right there. He's ready for service. He's ready to go. Whatever it is, God, I'm here. Whatever it is with our Sunday school, so it's team, it's team, it's everyone, it's doing your part, it's playing your instrument, it's, it's realizing I'm a contributor and I'm not a second string, sit on the bench, watch the real good guys perform. I'm in the game. And my contribution is just as valuable as anyone else's contribution. Well, we're going to be talking this morning about this whole idea of being God's fellow workers. What does that really look like for you and me? I mean, literally right now, when you leave here to go... I think I understand more about how my role, my contribution, my part in the team matters. So grab your Bibles and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're in this series of 1 Corinthians, this, the church being united. When the church is united and the church knows their calling and the church is stirred up and the church knows, meaning you because you're part of Christ's church, right? You're one of the brothers and sisters of Christ and of one another and you know, man, I've got something to do. When we're united like that, there's no stopping God's church. He said that even the gates of hell will not prevail over it. Through Christ, His Holy Spirit, the gifts and roles that each of us can play, the church can and will prevail. And we're going to be one of those churches. And I think we are one of those churches. And increasingly, we'll be that church with more and more fruit. So turn to chapter 3, starting in verse 5. And I'm going to make just a couple points as we go through this. And so I encourage you to write them down, write them on your arm if you didn't get a, a note card or whatever. But just kind of start locking these in so that you'll live them. The whole point of learning Scripture is that we would what? Live it. 
You've heard the phrase. Maybe you've heard it here a few times. You haven't learned it until you've lived it. You really haven't learned it unless you're living it. You may have logged some knowledge about something in the Bible or about God, but unless you're living it, you haven't learned it. So we're going to be really practical about learning it and then living it as a church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. What then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So he's bringing this theme up again. Remember the last time we heard it? It was in chapter 1. So he's kind of bringing that up again because this was a major struggle of disunity in the church. Paul planted this church. It was a number of years later, and there were different guys that were helping in the church for it to continue to grow and be more united. One of them was Apollos. Apollos, we're told in Acts 18, was very competent in the scripture. So he followed up on Paul planting this church and the church was growing. But then some people start going like, well, yeah, but I, I, I remember Paul. I was here. He led me to Christ. I mean, I was back to the original. Okay, Apollos is fine. And others say, yeah, but Apollos, man, he's really competent in the scriptures and he's here now. I'm of him. Well, I'm of Cephas. And they started becoming disunified and prideful because they were focusing on a person and not on Christ. Well, Paul catches wind of that. That's part of the reason he wrote this letter, to bring about stronger unity and point all people to only one person, the person of Jesus Christ. And when we get that straight, all of a sudden, great humility comes about and great unity follows. They were getting prideful, claiming they had a relationship with someone that was on a pedestal or was a leader, and they were following them, talking about them more than they were talking about Christ. But he says, okay, here's the analogy. This is God's field. He's working it. This is God's building. He's building it. This kingdom takes all of us. It's what Christ did on the cross so that now there's a way for people to be reconciled back to the Father. What he did needs to be presented to people. Evangelists do that, teachers do that. You do that when you talk to a neighbor or a friend or a family member. Everyone has a part of talking about Jesus and what he did, and then how you can enter the family, and then that the Holy Spirit can come and live in you, and then that you have a contribution to make. But let's not get off track and say it's about Paulus or it's about Paul or it's about Cephas or anyone else. It's about Jesus and what he's doing. And everyone can be included, and everyone can have a part, and everyone can be excited about what God's doing. That's the focus he wanted to bring about because that keeps us at a place of unity. And where there isn't unity, there isn't peace. Where there is unity, there's peace. So he says, you've all got gifts. You've all got talents. You've all got something to do. Uh, you've, you have this ability to uh, plant a seed. Look at this picture. How hard is that, right? <laughs> what are those? Can you tell? Little onions. I guess you plant little onions and you get more onions. Okay, but... That little onion, you could probably slice that thing up and put it on a taco. But then that's it. And that little onion is not going to go real far. But if you plant it and it dies in the ground, guess what's going to happen? Lots of tacos that taste really good because there's a lot more onion. So you got to bury them and they got to die. But someone's got to do that. And in the church, we all have a role, whether we're a planter or a waterer, because it's not going to do very good unless this guy comes along 
and it's watered, and God provides the sun and the warmth and those seeds that, man, so discouraging, they got buried alive under the dirt. But we know better what's going to happen if the planter and the waterer and the dude who weeds and gets the hoe out all work together, what's eventually going to happen? We're going to be eating awesome onions on whatever we want. So there's this celebration that happens. You get to harvest. You get to go enjoy what you've worked hard. Doesn't that look sweet? I don't know if you put those on tacos. But anyway, um, there's harvest, and then you do it together. Look at the next slide. It's this joy of everyone together doing what? Harvesting, reaping what God is doing. But don't get mixed up. The planter's not the big dude. He's not the one that gets the praise. It's not the waterer who should be feeling all boastful. It's not even all of us as we harvest who gets the credit. God, because he's the one who causes the what? He causes the growth. Remember, a seed has all this potential. It has miraculous potential. It looks like a little piece of dirt or a, a rock. And you go, yeah? But all you do is take care of it and put it in the ground and it dies. But in that, then new life comes. And then the harvest. So together, we're told, make sure we keep our eyes. Not on any other person. No lifting up, no pedestals. In this church or anywhere. You could say, oh, but that person has a great ministry. They're very fruitful. Okay, awesome. What can you learn from them about Jesus? Not lifting them up and being a follower of them. It's, I'm learning a lot about Jesus through them. Praise God for them. But what if that person dies or moves to Minnesota? Or they stop doing podcasts? Or they stumble and fall? What are you going to do? Oh, my world's shaken. No, it shouldn't be. It's like, well, there are others that can help teach me about Jesus. And in fact, I'm learning about Jesus. And I can help others learn about Jesus. So, we're fine. We're just going to keep growing, and God's going to expand his work. Spiritual growth. So what is that about? So I'm, we're using this analogy that Paul uses. Maybe you can't get past onions and grapes and, okay, make this real right now for where I'm living. What does spiritual growth look like? Paul in Romans 8, 29 gives us a picture of where the growth is headed. So you and I know Christ. His Holy Spirit lives in us. We've been forgiven. We're a child of God. Where are we headed a lot of times we want to say, well, to what job and to what kind of income and what kind of, you know, retirement or home or what, and the kids and marriage and grandkids, is that where we kind of do it that way? There's a much greater purpose and a much greater goal. Romans 8, 29. Remember in 8, 28, it says, all things work together for those who love God and be called according to his purpose. 8, 29 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? Shaping, conformed toward the image of Christ, becoming like Christ. In order that he may be the firstborn among many brothers, that Christ got it started, he is the original one, right? God in flesh coming, dying to give us life. We then deny ourselves, pick up our cross, that we would find life. And in Christ and with Christ, we all bear this fruit. He gave us the model. He showed us how that was lived out even amongst enemies that want to destroy you. But he said, you have to be patient. You have to run this race. It takes some endurance. It's not what you see with your eyes. It's what you believe in faith in your heart. It's what you'll choose to live out day by day in relationships. And then the harvest comes. Then the fruit of the Spirit is born. 
That's the harvest for a believer, is that the fruit of the Spirit is born. The fruit of the Spirit are these nine statements about Christ-likeness in you and me. So the Holy Spirit always brings attention to Jesus and reminds us what he taught. Always brings about the character of Jesus, the way he thought, because we have the mind of Christ, what he did, what he said, how he did it, his pace through life, his responses. That, those descriptions of the fruit of the Spirit is basically Jesus. So, Lord, bring that about in me. So the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Did I miss any? Did you get goodness in there? Okay. That's Jesus. But that kind of makes it tangible for us. It's like, okay, how, how much fruit of kindness and peace do I have? Do people see that? Are they enjoying the peace? Again, if it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's for others to enjoy. Are you, are you giving fruit for other ones to bite into? And just like, oh, that's a good apple. Oh, that's so patient. Man, I love being around you because you're so patient. Man, there aren't patient people in this world, right? I love being around a loving person because the love spills over on me. Thank you. May I have another banana, another orange. People are dying for good fruit, meaning people of character that are like Christ in this world. That gets brought about when we recognize that the growth that happens is all about what Jesus does when we keep our eyes fixed on him and when we do it together. You may be a planter, you may be a waterer, you may be a, a person who pulls weeds and tends. You may be someone who then comes in and helps with the harvest. You may have a strong back and we can load 15 of those things on your back. Great. Another person could be directing traffic and others might water the fruit afterwards and clean it. Just, but man, every single person has a role and it's important. You are God's fellow worker. Have you recognized that? He calls you his co-worker, co-laborer, partner. And then he says, and look around you. If that person knows Christ, as, as young a believer, as old as believer as they may be, they're your partner too. They're co-laborers together. Pretty awesome. We needed a cross in this room because the last one we had didn't, wasn't quite big enough for the room. Did you notice that? Did you think the cross grew? <laughs> Anyone notice that? The old one that we had is in the NPR. Once you walk in, you go, oh, well, that one fits that room now. And then, whoa, that one kind of, Tim and Jolene Rumpf made that. Um, come up and look at it because it's a work of art. It's a symbol to remind us of what Christ did and how he gives us life and conquered death and conquered the enemy, Right? You may think, well, I'm just the guy who knows how to use tools. I mean, I'm no big deal. What's it? Yeah, the guy who knows how to use tools and has a creative wife and they work together as a team do a lot of the decor around here, and that was one of their latest. Does that help you worship when you're in this room? Does it remind you of who Jesus is and what he did for you? Sure, sure it does. What if he said, like, oh, I'm no big deal. I mean, you know, pfft. I'm just not really good up front, you know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just... I'm just good with my hands. Thank God you're good with your hands. That's what you should say. Thank you, Lord. Thank God I'm good on the guitar. I got a good voice. I can pound away on the, on the drums. Thank God I'm organized and I can lead. Thank God I can do something with my hands. In the Old Testament, when God was laying out the description or the plans, the design for the tabernacle, 
He said he had to fill the craftsman and the artist and the seamstress with his Holy Spirit in order for them to do the work to the glory of God. Oh, all I can do is sew things. Yeah, you know how many of us would be like stabbing ourselves and it would be a bloody mess and we'd be in the ER? I see Margaret sitting out here, right? She's a seamstress to the glory of God. And maybe it's even your business. Praise God. But maybe it's something you also use in ministry in some ways. So you get my point. We all have to work together. We're all given something to do for God. It is the ultimate in teamwork. Fellow workers with God, unified, united in one purpose and one direction to disciple others, to bring them to salvation, to present them mature in Christ. And that's really, that's our statement as a church. That's our vision statement. Did you see that on the top of the bulletin? It's there every week to remind us that we're making disciples of Jesus Christ who will, what? Share his truth and live his ways. If you're sharing his truth and living his ways each day, you're going to be growing in your faith and you will be contributing because you'll be sharing his truth, using your gifts to let others know about Jesus, doing things in the church like we heard about earlier, something that you can do to bring focus to Christ. We're his fellow workers. Then we have to be careful how we build. That's the second point. We must build carefully on Christ's foundation. So we don't just do it any way kind of it comes to us in any way we want. We have to be careful in how we build. So Paul goes on in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Like each one, let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the, on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." How many foundations? How many foundations are there when you think about the kingdom? One. Here's the tricky part. Not what kind of foundation, it's who is the foundation. Then you know. Oh, well, that's easy. It says right there, Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. There's only one foundation in God's work, and that is Jesus. You remember when Paul said earlier in the book, he said, I want to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And because he was crucified and took on death and sin, and he was victorious and he raised up in the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power that lifted Christ from the grave lives in us. We can be a conqueror just like him. We can build his kingdom just like he initiated and started. He's the foundation. We get to build on it. Every single one of you are building something in your life right now. You may think, well, I actually kind of feel bad because I don't think I have a ministry, so I don't think I'm building anything. Oh, no, you're building. You just may be, be building your own empire or your own dream or your own thing. And God says, wow, that's really short-sighted. Build on Christ and be part of building my kingdom. Oh, you're an engineer. Oh, okay, well, part of what you'll do in your engineering is to build my kingdom and to make sure you do it with integrity and hard work and doing all of the glory of God at your work. And then part of that then will have an impact on other, Christ, other non-Christians and Christians. Oh, but I'm also an engineer. Well, that's the way I do. It's the way I'm wired. It's the way I think. It's the way you're gifted. So you come into the church, and how do engineers think when they come into a church? How do they think? Like artists. 
No. How do they think? Like, do we need engineers, organized, leader, kind of deep thinkers, and can pull things apart and figure out how they might work? And yes, and we need artists, and we need musicians, and we need those that love kids, and we need those that love donuts, okay? Kim Baker, what a great name for a person who runs our cafe. That just hit me. I'm seriously having a moment. Kim Baker. Has anyone ever thought of that, Mark? Have you ever thought of that? You've been here for years. Kim Baker. Anyway, um, she... (laughs) I'm sorry, that never hit me. I'm a little quirky sometimes when things happen like that. Anyway, so uh, if you like to bake, you know where to go now. Okay, so you've got something. Jesus is the foundation, but we're told you have to build carefully. If you're building your own kingdom, that's wood, hay, and straw. It's going to burn up. It doesn't last because it's all about you your reputation, your dream, your whatever. When it's about Christ and what he's doing through you to impact people for him, yes, to impact your family, yes, to impact people in your neighborhood and at work, and you go on some trip or you're camping or you're doing whatever, and you're impacting people there, impacting people like Steve said. We have, you know, we have the word going out through our kids. Come to kids' crew, and they're coming. We're teaching English, and so they're bringing their kids, and they come. And we serve those kids, and we love those kids. Well, I know how to do it. Just, I'm just kind of goofy. I get my hands and knees and plays with kids. Yeah, and they love you and climb on you like a tree. Most people are freaked out by that. You love that. Guess where you should be on a Thursday night? Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, all I do is crafts. So it's like, I wonder what they do on Thursday night with crafts. Oh, I'm just good with a camera. I mean, I'm just kind of a camera geek. I mean, me and... what is it, iMovie? I mean, I don't know. I just spend way too much time on that. Really? Way too much time for who? You? How about for the king? Oh, well, if you put it that way, maybe I should show up at Kids Crew and take some videos and do some fun things and have those videos playing at the next week of the kids. Think kids might like seeing themselves on a screen? (laughs) Maybe. Like, you get what I'm saying. So, careful how you build. You've given abilities You've given, been given skills and spiritual gifts. How are you using them? What foundation are you building? Are you building on Christ and are you using the right materials? Worldly philosophies or your own personal opinions are temporal and short-lived. Being all about packaging and production or self-promotion or reputation or selfish ambition, those are the wood, hay, and straw that will get burnt up when you face the one who will evaluate your life. Now, we know in Christ, we don't have to fear that day because there's no condemnation, no shame, no guilt, okay? Make sure we get that straight. You're not going to come before God and go like, oh, jeez, am I going to get in? Like, what do you think? Then you haven't understood the gospel. It's by grace that you've been saved, by faith, through faith. has nothing to do with your works. But because you've been saved and you've been changed, good works usher out of your life, or they should. Maybe you got lazy. Maybe you've been lazy as a Christian. Maybe you've just taken a lot of information, but you don't really use what God's taught you in your gifts, building on his foundation to impact others for the kingdom. Well, you'll be saved, but he says, kind of, but just like, whoo, came through the fire. Everything was kind of burnt up, though, because you were about self. It's when we build with gold, silver, precious stones, when we use biblical truth through humility. We keep a high view of God, a high view of his word. We're confessing our own sins so we're staying pure and holy before the Lord so we're this vessel that he wants to use and can pour his Holy Spirit through. 
And then we're, we're actually building with precious stones and gold and silver, and that stuff lasts. When that's tested by fire, man, that stuff is purified. It's even brighter. And you're rewarded for that. I don't know how that all works in heaven. So there won't be any jealousy. It'll just be very fitting as you're rewarded. God says we can look forward to that day. We don't fear that day, but we say, will I have precious stones, gold, and silver to offer the king? You love him if you know what he did for you. Don't you want to offer him that rather than, well, I kind of knew he forgave me, and, you know, it's cool that he's God, and I'm down here, and I get heaven. Well, one, have you really given your life to Christ, and then who are you living for, him or your glory? So what's your ministry? What's your ministry? You don't have to put a capital M on that. It could be a little M. But what's your ministry? I hope I am rattling you a little right now. If you cannot put that in a sentence or two, then you need to really call out on God and say, Lord, I, I'm not sure. Would you help me? I know I kind of do this well. I like kids. I like donuts. Okay, put something together for me, Lord. I'm good with my hands. I'm funny, and I take initiative. I do that. Who am I, God? And our, What's your ministry? Great thing to pray about. We only have about 36 ministries in the church, another 10 or so outside of the church, other ministry, ministry partnerships. We have Forever Found. We have Zoe that goes after stopping human trafficking. Like, where's your passion? What's stirring you up? What are you gifted to do? What have you always been good at? What's God done in your life that you can share with others? Where's a hurt that's been healed? Maybe you should be counseling. Where, what mercy and compassion have you received from God that's changed you that you can offer to others that need mercy and compassion? So you ask the Lord and you listen and he'll speak to you. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Let's have much good that we did with our energies and our passion and our gifts and our time for the Lord. And then this is a great way. I mean, this is God working through the apostles, so we're not surprised. But, you know, when he gets to this fact that we're all together collectively the temple and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, then we won't fall into the error of thinking we have to generate this in our own strength oh great now he's adding one more thing to my life oh <laughs> right because when you ask most people how you doing first word out of the mouth is usually busy so what i'm saying could be viewed as so you add one more thing to my life now i'm actually to give purpose and direction and something god glorifying to your life if you're saying oh no i know i'm glorifying god in my life and i have a ministry and i say great keep going it's really for Everyone, though, and for the rest of us to say, well, where's my ministry? If I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, God lives in me? Is he using me? Am I available to him? Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Let no one boast in men. All things, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas 
or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. That's the most all-inclusive set of verses I think I've ever read. Past, present, future, God's. Who you are, who Paul is, who Peter is, everyone who's made a contribution in the past, all those that have been used by God to give us scripture, all those that have come before us, all God's. All of creation, God's. You're his child. He says, collectively, as the people of God, we're his temple. His passion, his purpose, his presence, his glory now lives in you. That's a difference from the Old Testament, okay? So when Christ came, that veil that kept us out of the holy of holies was torn, top to bottom. We're allowed to enter in now in the name of Christ. We then receive this Holy Spirit that comes to live in us, never to leave. We're told that, 2 Corinthians 1.21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his what? We really have to get this. Many Christians don't understand the role in the person of the Holy Spirit. We really have to get this today. He's put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Another verse in Scripture says a guarantee of what's to come. That we know we're God's and we know the promises and we know the, the new heaven and the new earth are coming. But in the meantime, we have the power of God. We're indwelt by him. And we can get busy and be very, very effective and fruitful for the king if we choose to be. He's saying that's where the wisdom is. Don't be fooled. Don't get off into worldly wisdom. Don't seek other philosophies. Don't busy yourself with other things that can be empty and be selfish. He's saying the wisdom is fine, recognizing all things under God's rule. Will you recognize the spirit living in you and the contribution and the gift and the role that you have? And again, if you're not sure, you just say, Lord, help me. I don't know. And if you are sure, you say like, wow, I'm so privileged. God, help me to be more fruitful. So we're told that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Keep your temple pure. You wouldn't want to take anything nasty into God's temple. You wouldn't want to set your mind on things that are impure because you are a holy, set-apart temple in which God himself, through the Holy Spirit, dwells. So if anything's coming to your mind right now, you just confess that to God. You go, that is dirty, that is wrong, that is not of God, that does not lift up God, that's a selfish pursuit, that's an ambition apart from the kingdom, that is me living for self, whatever it could be, that is judgmentalness, that is lack of forgiveness, that is lack of love, that is showing no interest in God's word, that's lack of prayer, that's, and you just go, that's, I can grow in being set apart and holy for God's purposes. How do you bring that about? It's through the Spirit, and it's through bringing God's Word each day. I'll give you just a couple more verses. 2 Timothy 3 says, All Scripture is breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, you and me, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for building our own empire. not what it says that was a trick that was a trick a lot of people think that though i will be thoroughly equipped to be successful 
for myself and me and mine and my future. We're supposed to be thoroughly equipped for every good work of God, being a kingdom builder, knowing our role, throwing it all in, all in for Christ and his glory. So don't, we don't deceive ourselves. We recognize we have a great king, the source of everything, God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the foundation on which we build our life and our lifestyle and our choices. The one who causes the, what? The growth. He causes the growth. He brings the fruit. We get to go harvest it and enjoy it, and more people come to Christ and experience his joy and his salvation. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you. You are sitting here today because he's at work in you. Hopefully you didn't stumble in thinking you were coming to a self-help meeting or we were a donut store, okay? (laughs) You knew why you were coming. God is at work in you. Just continue to cooperate and co-labor with the one who's at work in you through his spirit. Commit yourself to being in his word each day so that all that God's word does will train you up and equip you for every good work that he wants you to do. Today, tomorrow, Wednesday night, Friday morning, the weekend, just daily. All things in this world, life, death, past, present, future are God's. He has a purpose for you being alive today in this world, in this generation, in Moorpark, Simi, Tio, wherever you live. He has a purpose for your life now and for the future, and he has planted you, and he will tend to you, and you will grow unless the cares of the world choke you out. But this message is to protect any one of us from being choked out and ineffective and not fruitful. This message is to help us realize we all will see growth. We'll all see God work for his will and his good purpose in us. We will be different next week than we were today, and we'll be different in a month than we were back in January or February. We'll be different as a church in six months because we actually have learned something that we are now going to go. One more time. (laughs) I thought it would have been a great way to finish. Okay. So we're all learning this so that we can all now go live it and be fruitful for the king and have a blast doing it. It is so fun to harvest. It is so fun to eat those onions and those grapes and those ripe old tomatoes. But it takes some work to get there. Throw what you have into the kingdom. Throw your giftedness and your skills and your energies and time. Yes, sacrifice. Work at it. But by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you, and the harvest will come, and we'll be celebrating more and more together as his family and in this community for his glory. You didn't catch it. Those are the, those are the main points. Pretty simple. Here are the questions to take with you to meditate on. Have you fully recognized and embraced your calling to co-labor with God? Do you have weekly times where you build up others in Christ? Another way of saying that is, what's your weekly ministry? I mean a regular thing that you just know, that's me, that's what I do in the kingdom. At least for now, that's what I'm doing. And then fourthly, are you freely yielding to the Holy Spirit who lives in you for direction and empowering so you can carry out those other two? I think that's enough to pray for. What do you think? And to expect. Let's live with anticipation in our heart for what God's going to do in you 
And someone you're sitting next to, just say, I believe God's going to do something in you that's awesome. Let's believe for this church. And as these guys come up, we're going to worship, we're going to have an offering, we're going to have a prayer team on both sides of the room. Why do we pray? Because we are dependent on God. We need Him to help us lead our neighbors to Christ. So we come and pray for them by name. Because we want a stronger marriage. Because we're struggling with an illness. I mean, struggling. And we need God's strength. Because we're lacking a job. Because we're given a job and we're so grateful. So for all those reasons, I just hope prayer explodes in this church. In every way and in every venue where we pray, with others, even by yourself. But we have a prayer team here to praise God for things going on, to pray for anything, to pray for those you're trying to lead to Christ. Like, just pray. Let's just pray right now. We're going to worship. Come pray with the prayer team. Pray with others around you. We're going to have five or so minutes, whatever. We're going to praise Him. We're going to offer our resources to God that He would continue to move this church and His ministry forward. And we're going to pray and seek Him. Lord Jesus, we come to You. You're an incredible creator sovereign god thank you jesus that you made god real and personal you came in the flesh so we could see how you could live how we could live and how you did live holy spirit you showed what it looks like to be empowered and to know our gifts and to throw our talents and skills into the kingdom and people are saved people are encouraged people are healed people's marriages are restored those with addiction, are, they're freed from the bondage of the enemy. All those things, Lord, is what you did when you came for us. If you haven't received that right now, just reach out to the Lord. Say, Lord, free me from my sin. Would you just forgive me, Lord, and come be my Lord and my leader? I want to know that your Holy Spirit lives in me. I want to have the hope of all these promises and the the guarantee of what's to come, this new heaven and new earth where we'll dwell, where righteousness dwells, no more sin. Thank you, Lord, we get to look forward to that. If you're crying out to your heart for God, just say, Lord, I want to become a child of God, forgiven through Jesus, living in now the strength of your spirit. And for those of you who already know Christ, just pour out your heart right now as we worship, as we give, as you come and pray.